you got to control what you can control and you got to focus on what you can focus on. And I get to decide with my life how I live it. I don't have to let any other group or any other institution determine for Eric Thomas how he's going to live. Welcome, everybody, to The Chris Harder Show, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success, knowing that when good people like you make good money, they can then do great things. My name is Chris Harder, and several times per week, I will bring you epic guests, solo episodes, and every single tool, trick, and skill set you need to grow your business, grow your money mindset, and to grow your wealth to levels that you have never reached before. I've ended up in a unique place in life where I've got the experience, the connections, and all of the secrets that it takes to be successful. And I'm lifting the curtain to reveal it all to you in an effort to help put you in a position of abundance so great that you can then be as generous as possible. So let's lock arms and let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome back to The Chris Harder Show, where we absolutely believe that both prosperity and generosity can and must coexist. You're in for a massive, freaking awesome treat today because both Lori and I are sitting down with the famous E.T., the hip-hop preacher. You already know who he is, right? He is on par with Tony Robbins and everybody else when it comes to being one of the world's most sought-after motivational speakers. And it's because he himself has such an incredible story, you know, going from growing up in a rough situation, ending up homeless, to inspiring millions and millions and millions and millions of people now. Matter of fact, he was made famous in part by that video with the famous saying that says, when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, that's when you will make it, right? When you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe. Now, he's got a brand new book out. We're going to talk about that. It's called UOU. Go check it out. Go pre-order it or order it right now based on when you're hearing this. It's so freaking good. This is the gentleman. This is the kind of positive propaganda that you should wake up to every single day. You should fill your ears, fill your brain with, Because he makes you feel unstoppable. And we talk a lot in this episode about no matter where you come from, no matter what your situation is right now, we offer a proof that you can end up on top. Now, one of the tricks to ending up on top is controlling what, of course, you you take in, what kind of propaganda you take in on a regular basis. And I'm telling you, you have got to let me text you a positive money mantra or a positive business perspective every single morning when I wake up. I've been doing it for about a year now. I can't believe it's been a year. To thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of you, I text you every morning, totally free, no strings attached. If you want me to text you so that you're waking up and putting on the right set of lenses, so to speak, in the morning, all you got to do is text me the word daily to 310-421-0416. Again, text me the word daily to 310 310- Four two one zero four one six. I will text you the right way to be thinking every single morning that you wake up. All right, roll up your sleeves, get ready, take some notes, and stick with us to the end because there's even a surprise book giveaway. I want you to get one of these books. You are about to be blown away by the famous Eric Thomas. All right, E.T., it is an honor, and I don't say that lightly, a massive honor having you on the show. How you doing? Bless, bless, bless. Good season, good time to be alive. My kids are grown, so that's why I'm so excited. My daughter just finished her master's at Michigan State, and I'm praying for her husband. 
Oh my God. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Spe- you know, we were just speaking offline. You mentioned Michigan state. We're yes. all kind of Midwest born and raised. We've got that, that bond going yeah. on there. We um, like you already. Phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal humans, man. Look, I'm not disrespecting anybody else, but let's just say, you know, my wife and I, we own a home on the West coast for the winter and they don't necessarily speak the way we speak to each other. So I'm like, hey, how are you guys doing? They looking like, ah, I love Midwest. It's just, you know, blue collar, get up every day, grind, work. It's a, it's a different, it's a different culture, man. So I'm glad to be amongst you guys. Yeah, we literally, we live on the West Coast for part of the year too. And we've had the yeah. conversations about how we actually feel like the way that we grew up is so easy to not necessarily easy, but kind of easier to win when you move to the yeah. coast because you just have a different oh, no mentality oh, no than a lot of the people out here. So, ah, I, and again, nothing against the West, but no, love them. I, I, yeah, I like to get up in the morning and stuff's not open. I'm like, hold up, what time are we opening here? You know what I'm like, what are we waiting on? Who are we waiting <laughs> yes. for? You oh, know what I'm saying? God. So, total different grind, total different hustle. I'm sure they grind and they hustle. It's just a different way. Different way. <laughs> oh yeah, man, definitely. isn't that the truth? So listen, the, the first question I got on my mind is this, to kind of kick off the show. It's been very well documented how you went from, of course, homeless and some other struggles to the international superstar speaker and coach that you are right superstar. now. And, and it's been so well documented elsewhere that as important of a story as that is, I'll let individuals go to some of the other interviews to go hear that story. Where I really wanted to pick up today is as you stand today, from your perspective today, what do you feel your mission is and who are you here to serve? So, you know, this is weird, right? So I was just talking to my auntie Cleo the other day. So I lost both of my grandmothers. I lost one in March and the other one like sometime in the end of April, right? Bless my grandmother. One was 93. The other one was 90. But my aunt was calling me because, you know, I had a special relationship with my grandmas. I'm one of those kids that my mom was young, like 17 when she got pregnant with me. So grandmas were like really, you know, mothers, if you will, the extensions of my, cause mom's so young. So they, so I was, I was raised. So my grandma called me, my auntie called me, was like, how you doing? I'm like, I'm good. She's like, no, how you doing? And I said, auntie, can I be honest with you? I was like, wow, I'm 51 years old. And I know what it's like to have experienced marital bliss. Yeah. You know, like I got married at 19 years old. So I know what it's like to struggle and I know what it's like for marital bliss. I was like, auntie, I've been broke, like homeless, bad credit, getting letters from Uncle Sam. And I know what it's like to be wealthy. You know, I was like, auntie, I was a struggling artist and considered one of the best speakers in the world. Most sought after. I've traveled to Dubai, like the world. I was like, yo, auntie, I'm literally I've done what most humans dream about. And again, we could talk you know, material things, but I'm like, yo, marital bliss is not something that everybody gets to. You know what I'm saying? Like most of us know what it's like to struggle, but we don't know what it's like to work with your partner, want to be with your partner every day. I've been blessed to have two beautiful children. And I'm at this point in my life where it's like, yo, what's next? And it's, can you teach or how many people can you teach to get that Mm, before you get out of here? You know, before you leave this earth, like, can you be a bridge? And how many people will be in your tree. Like how many other, you know, you got the Inky Johnsons of the world. And again, Inky's just a phenomenal talent by himself. But I was blessed to catch Inky before the world knew Inky and was able to use my platform to assist him. What he was already going to do, but a little bit earlier, you know, the Jeremy Andersons of the world. So there are so many young people who are doing very well for themselves, who CJ and I can say, yo, we help. But now we're like, 
that was kind of maybe intentional, but it wasn't as deliberate and intentional as we're about to be now with how many multimillionaires can we create? How many marriages can we help? How many people can we help teach their children how to take that generational wealth and expand it to another generation? You know, so that's where I am now. Okay, E, you learn how to do it, but can you duplicate yourself? Can you scale this success you're having? And for who? Just anybody who doesn't believe in the American dream. You know, there are a lot of people, especially right now, who are just like, ah, I see it on TV. I see it on the internet. I don't know nobody personally, or I don't believe stuff we're seeing that's going on. Like, I don't believe in that America you're talking about. And I'm like, yo, I'm telling y'all from experience, it exists. And you're talking about a kid who didn't necessarily, who wasn't necessarily born in it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't come into the world looking around and like experiencing it, but I got it now. And I just want to let those people know, yo, is there another America? 1000%. I'm not going to argue with you. Like, it's real. But this is just as real. Like, what you're experiencing is real, but I'm trying to tell you this right here, this is just as real. So anybody who doesn't believe but wants to believe and wants to taste this, that's my population. I'm Mm -hmm. trying to convince them that it's real and you can experience the real just like other people are experiencing it. Mm. Man, it's got me fired up right now. So good. So anybody who listens to you can catch on pretty quickly and throughout this podcast, you guys will hear it. You have a really unshakable belief system, like just around the way that you view disadvantages and turning them into advantages. Like that's truly something that I can hear it in your voice. You're convicted by that belief. How do you, number one, I would love to know some of the big disadvantages that you've turned into advantages but also how did you create this like unshakable belief system that your disadvantages can be advantages? Well, you know, actually (laughs) it was the loss of the disadvantage and the perpetual loss of the disadvantage. You know, like you get to a point where it's like, okay, I lost. Mm. All right. My mom didn't do what she was supposed to do. All right. I lost. My dad wasn't in my life. All right. I lost. I went to, you know, public schools and didn't necessarily But, you know, after a while, you get to a point where it's like, yo, you keep losing and you keep blaming people Mm. and blaming them is not helping you to get any further. You know, so like I tell people all the time, like, yo, I'm not mad at whatever you're on or whatever you believe. But if you're losing and you're not winning at some point, you got to get tired of losing. Mm. And I just got to a point where I was just like, yo, E, you blaming your mom, you're still homeless. Like you blaming your dad. And let's just be real. Like, he might need to take some of the responsibility. I don't know. But the one thing I do know is that your mom is married. You got sisters. Your dad, I don't know where he at, where he is and what he's doing, but he's not homeless. <laughs> like, so, you know what I'm saying? Like, so all of this blaming you're doing, all this finger pointing you're doing, it has not helped you get out of this situation you're in. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, cool. I want to get out of my situation. So it was like, if you want to get out of your situation, You first have to figure out what's wrong. And when I looked at everything and everybody, it's crazy. But I started noticing, like, yo, the cop that arrested me, he don't know my mom. And the teacher that kicked me out, she don't know the police officer. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I started like, hold up. (laughs) Like, there's a common denominator here. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's Eric Thomas, the counselor from school, the police officer, the court. My mom, like, my, like everybody knows Eric Thomas. And so while it may seem overwhelming 
to realize you're the problem, at the same time, it's kind of liberating. Mm. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. Like, in the beginning when it was like, Eric, you're the problem. I kind of wanted to fight that. Like, y'all know my mom should have. Yeah. No, no, don't put that on me. I'm 16 years old. My father should have. But then I was like, you know what, Eric? No, you probably should take the blame because if you take all the blame, you can actually take all the power. Mm. Like, yo, you got the power now, bro. Like, it's all on you at this point. You feel yeah. me? Like, you ain't got to talk, worry about your mama no more. You don't got to worry about your daddy no more. You don't have to worry about, you know, Republican, Democrat, independent. You don't have to worry about rich, poor. You don't have to worry about socioeconomic status. You don't have to worry about what side of the street you like. Yo, bro, you don't got to worry about none of that. Like, you owe you. Bottom line, you owe you. And I'm telling y'all, although I came to that realization, I was at rock bottom when I came to that realization, that probably was the mindset that was the beginning of my wealth. Mm. That was the beginning of my turnaround. Now, I'm not going to sit here and lie and tell you at 17, I had changed everything, but I had adopted the mindset that was about to turn everything around in my life. Mm. I promise you. Yeah, oh, so man. long answer to a short question. No, great answer. Great answer to like, a great question because everyone needs to going. hear that right now, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of people right now that are counting themselves out. There's a lot of people that are saying, well, it can't happen for me. And you're right. There's almost two Americas right now. Is Which one are you focusing on? I want to take a, a step back for a moment. Well, you said right now, your goal is to see how many millionaires can you produce and how many couples can you help experience marital bliss? It's interesting. We've been married 17 years coming up this August and we have been beyond broke. We've been poor, poor, poor. And then we've been very wealthy together and we've been happy during both of those times. But I think it's, I want to speak for you, it's happier and easier when we've been wealthy together. Just honest. Right. And so here we are facing a challenging economy coming up. There's a lot of people that are afraid of it. What words of inspiration or what tips do you have for the, the couples or individuals out there that are afraid of what might be coming up in the economy? Listen to me very closely. Like, and I mean this, and I, I get slack sometimes, you know, from people you know, who rock with me or, you know, kind of believe in me. It's like, yo, E, you're going to sit here and act like all of this stuff doesn't exist. And I'm like, yo, I never said, like, yo, I'll be the first. You read my book, I'll be the first to tell you I've experienced what I believe is racism. I've experienced it. I believe I experienced what it's like to probably be in a community where, you know, top-notch resources weren't necessarily there. But listen to me very closely. I'm not saying that I'm blind to the bad that's in the world. I'm just saying I'm not focusing on that. I'm not focusing on what can stop me. I'm focusing on what can help me. Mm. Like, I'm not focused on, you know what I'm saying, all the barriers that exist. I'm focusing on all the strengths, the talents, the skills, the people mm. I know. I tell people this all the time. If there are races in this world, which there are, I just don't hang out with them. I just don't personally know them. I ain't on their podcast. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't hang out together. So I'm not saying they don't exist. They just not in my sphere. They're not on my radar. They're not on my frequency. So I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm just saying I'm not about to put my energy on that. So yeah, I do go to the schools to talk to the kids. I do go to the prisons. But I go saying, yo, what are the possibilities? Mm. What's possible? What's past possible? What can we control? I can't control what somebody feels like because he sees me and he sees the color of my skin and he don't particularly care for me because I don't. I, I can't control that. There's absolutely nothing I can do about that. But what I can do is love on my neighbors. What I can do is put out positive energy. What I can do, listen to me, I wrote a book. I wrote a book during COVID. 
I, you know, I was like, now nah, I got hit hard. I never cried about it. But when you think about it, my career took the probably one of the greatest hits because of social distancing. I never even knew what social distancing was until they told me we got social distance. I'm like, what does that mean? I'm not going to be on stage. So for about a year and a half, you know, almost two years, it was taken from me. My livelihood was taken from me. So what did I do? I didn't cry. Why? I just decided in COVID, I'm going to write a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just said, I just said in COVID, I'm going to write a book. Why? I didn't see it's taken from you. I saw you got more time than you've ever had before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I saw if you want to reflect, now is a good time to reflect. I saw if you want to go back and reverse engineer how you got to where you are and create a document that will outlast you, outlive you, and give people for years and years and years to come a way who come from what I come from. Dad ain't in your life. 17, mom, 17 when she got pregnant, south side of Chicago, high school dropout, like whatever, homeless, you like college, got kicked out, got, whatever. If you feel like you disadvantaged, I just want to give you a blueprint. I want to give you a blueprint to show you how to take that disadvantage and turn it into a fact. I did that through COVID. I didn't go in a state of depression. And again, I'm not speaking ill of anybody who during the recession got depressed. I'm just saying I didn't. I'm just saying I made a choice to go. You can look at this as the worst thing that ever happened to you, or you can survive. Or you can say to your wife and your children, hunker down. <laughs> let's, let's get our anchor. Like we got a storm, y'all. It may last six weeks, six months. It may last a year. It may last longer than I thought it was going to last. But let's anchor down. Let's mm-hmm. eat together more than we've ever eaten before. Let's be on the phone more than we've ever been on the phone. Let's get counselors. We got counselors doing COVID. Let's get some counselors. You know what I'm saying? Let's find some stuff on TV we can watch. I never watched TV a day in my life. I'm like calling my friends. Hey, what's the best series out right now that's going to take weeks so we can watch TV together at night? You know what I'm saying? We're going to go on walks. We went to California, spent a little bit more time. Our house is a little bigger there. We've got a trail in the backyard. It's a golf course. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, son, you play golf, go play golf. Sweetheart, we'll walk around. We cook more than we've ever cooked before. I'm just telling y'all, COVID mm-hmm. was terrible. But in the, in the words of Winston Churchill, never let a good crisis go to waste. <laughs> never let a good crisis go to waste. And we just took that crisis and we just got closer as a family. You know, like I said, wrote a book, did more Zooms than I care to do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I was Zoomed out. You know what I'm saying? I was, it took me maybe five Zooms to get what I would normally get on stage at once. So way more, okay, sweetheart, I can't do this at that time. Okay, I can't do this. I got to be in front of Zoom. But I was like, I'll do Zoom as long as I can. Why? Because we don't have the stage, but we have Zoom now. Yeah. We have mm-hmm. Zoom. So this is the new stage. Yeah. So instead of crying about it, we're going to get on Zoom and take advantage of it. Mm. Man, opportunity and everything is what I'm hearing. There's opportunity and yeah, everything. In everything. Yeah. It sounds like you are so, one of your main, like another belief is to when you feel maybe scared or anxious or depressed, because these are all the human emotions, right? That we can cycle no through in a day. No question. It, especially yes. with just like all of the different things going on in the world right now. It's easy to look at the news and feel really like scared for the future, defeated. Yeah. So yeah. for you, what do you recommend for people, different actions that they can take right away to get them outside of their own kind of like head or funk? Like, what do you say to those people when they're like, man, I'm just, I'm stuck. Like, I just feel stuck. Is it their environment? Is it the people? What is it? You know, I want to say to you, the first thing is, you know, information. Like you have to be careful what information you take in. You know, you really do, you know, because I believe if it's not clinical, 
right? Now, there's some stuff that's clinical. Like, we're not yeah. talking about that right now, right? But there's other stress that I've seen in my loved ones or my friends or people that attend my church that is stressed because of what you're focusing on, mm. right? And this is stress that can be alleviated because you've decided to focus on that and not focus on this. So the first thing I want to say is, like, you need to be careful, one, who you're doing life with. Mm. Like, yo, it make a big difference. Like, you in a hole, it make a big difference who you in a hole with. Yeah. <laughs> like, it might, if you in a hole with a Debbie Downer, then all y'all going to do is talk about the negative, I'm guaranteeing you, you're going down, you're going down quick. Mm. You, you need to be in a hole. Now, I'm not saying this is something you need to do consistently, but if you're in a hole, you might want to be with somebody optimistic. You mm. might want to pay somebody who's optimistic. Like, you might want to get in a support group that's optimistic. Like, like, when things are going bad, the last thing you need to do is be in the hole with somebody who's already in the hole, who's already oh, negative, man. right? Number yes. two, when I say the information, like, for me, when things are going bad, I'm like, yo, what's my favorite? Where's Laura Hill at when I need her? I'm putting my Laura Hill boy on. I've got Laura Hill on repeat. I've got my Bobby McFerrin. Ooh, don't worry, be happy. I promise you, I'm not listening to that on a regular basis. But when I get down and out, the greatest hits, I go on Google, the greatest upbeat songs of all time. Yeah. Be careful what you take in. So if you're not strong, don't watch the news. I'm just saying, if you're not a strong person and you can't take what they're saying, don't watch it. Number mm -hmm. three, here's what I believe. I truly believe that a lot of our stress, a lot of our funk comes from the over intake of external stuff. Mm, it's like way yes. too much external. It's way too much. My son's 26. I remember like a year or so ago, my son was like, dad, I'm growing through it. I was like, what? Give me more. You know what I'm saying? Like, help me to understand. He was like, dad, I'm behind. I said, behind? Behind what? You got a four-year degree from Michigan State University. You work with Coach Izzo. You traveled the world. You got a final four ring and an elite eight ring for being a general Matt son. You've traveled the world. You've been all over the world. You got a passport. What? You're behind who? At 24, behind who? I didn't even have a degree at that age. Mm -hmm. Your mom wasn't finished with school at that. Like, you're behind. You got to escalate. You live, in a, <laughs> say, you live in an apartment. You can see the stadium for the park. You go to the games. Like, you know NFL, NBA player. Like, you walk through. People know you're behind who? I said, oh, I know who you're behind. All the people you're watching on the internet. Cut the internet off. Cut the internet off. Do me a favor. What are you taking in, son? That's making you feel like you're behind. Do me a favor. Cut the internet off and go take a trip to a third world country for mm -hmm. me. Go spend a week in a third world country and come back and call me again. Come back after you've been in a country where there's no drinking water. There's no running water. Where there's no bathroom. Call me where there's no kitchen, no refrigerator. Call me where they're not, they're, they don't have a grocery store within a 50 mile radius. Like, call me back. So go take a trip. It's on me. I'll sponsor that joker. Go take a trip to a third world country. Come back and talk to me. And so I never forget my daughter decided her freshman year on spring break, super mature, 18 years old, she decided to go to Capeche, Mexico and spend time with kids who were like cancer patients. Mm. And I'll never forget my daughter came back, third world country. My daughter came back in tears. And I'd never seen her cry like that in tears. I was like, what happened? She was like, dad, these kids didn't have drinking water, dad. The water was brown, flies all in the mm. water. 
insufficient medical facilities, dad. And she said, that's not what got me. I said, well, what got you, sweetheart? They were still smiling, dad. Wow. They were still laughing and having a good time, dad. Like they didn't know they didn't have hair. They took my hair, my braids and put it on their head. And we would take pictures with them. She's like, dad, the things that made them happy, dad. She was like, I'm embarrassed. Mm. I'm, and, and let me tell you, from that day forth, she, she got her master's in social work. She's like, I'm going to be a social worker. That's the trip my daughter went on in a third world country. I'm telling y'all, if you could take, when you feel depressed, if you could take one hand and count your blessings. If you're not smiling by that time, get the next one. If that don't work, get a set of toes. If that don't work, get the other set of toes. By the time you count 20 blessings, you should be okay. And that's mm-hmm. what we're doing wrong. We're looking at what we don't have. We're looking at what they're saying. People are calling me, Eric, the recession is coming. I said, okay, well, do me a favor. Be happy until it gets here. Let me be happy until you get here. Like, don't, you are fearing something that hadn't even happened yet. Like, are you still eating? Are you still in your car? Are you still, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's coming. I said, please do me a favor. Not until it gets here. And do me a favor. When it gets here, call me and tell me if it's as bad as you thought it was. Mm. Because I guarantee you, it's probably not going to be as bad as you thought it was. We'll keep moving. So, yeah, yeah. I would just say, be careful of what you're taking in. And be careful who you're doing life with, because who you do life with, who you do. I'm telling you guys, I've done podcasts with people before. And it, I'm be honest, it was whack. Like we did a podcast. It was like, apparently y'all know how to ask questions. <laughs> you feel me? I'm just being real. You said it like, hey, we're not going to get into that. Like they can go find it. Like, yo, that's genius. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like we can talk about the same thing I talked about in the last few, whatever it was. Well, I, first of all, I don't do a lot of podcasts, but the few that I do do, you're right. They probably do. What time do you go to bed? I'm like, that's, you can, <laughs> I, I talk about that on a video, actually. Like, you don't even have to ask me that. That's when I ask the video. So even being with you guys, who you do a podcast with, who you work with, who you do life with mm-hmm. is way more important than what happens in life. Because who you do life with will probably dictate more on the outcomes of life than yeah. just life itself. I say this all the time. People will debate me. I used to gamble. Forgive me. When I was high, you know, when I was in high school, I was homeless. I played poker. I played card games. For those of you who ever played card games before, you understand this. It doesn't matter what hand you have. Mm-hmm. I've seen guys with a royal flush who can't get no money because I can tell on your face you got a royal flush. So wow. I'm just like throwing all my stuff in. I'm like, okay. So they're like, my man got something. I look at his face. He's smiling too hard. Go ahead and take these $5. I'm out. And I've seen somebody with nothing pretend as they had a royal flush and want all the money. Mm. It doesn't matter what hand you have. And this is what people get wrong. And that's why I love, I don't know if you guys know Jesse. Here's why I love have Jesse on my platform. People think just because you're born a certain gender or race that life just automatically like, oh, you're a white male. Mm. Oh, multimillionaire. Oh, billionaire. I'm like, Jesse is explaining. Now, Jesse did say he has some advantages, but he had to work the advantages. Mm-hmm. Like the advantages don't necessarily just work themselves. Yeah. I had some disadvantages. You just got to work the disadvantages. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter which one you have. You got to work either one of them. Like none of them, for many of us, they aren't just assembled. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there are kids who come from rich families who got strung out on drugs. Yeah. There are kids who come from rich families that end up in prison. So I'm not saying that they're not advantages. I'm not saying they're not things. I'm just saying you got to control what you can control and you got to focus on what you can focus on. And I get to decide with my life how I live it. I don't have to let any other group or any other institution determine for Eric Thomas how he's going to live. 
And so since I only live once and it's temporary, yo, I just decide to focus on the things that's going to blow me up. And then here's the, th the deal, like you guys said, it's a lot easier when you have influence and impact and income to actually do something that is mm -hmm. when you don't have any of it. Mm -hmm. So my thing is, yo, E, let's go out here and write books. Let's be the best speaker in the world. Let's put ourselves in a position where I have an army of people who support me, that I know people who have a platform that can help me establish the stuff that I'm doing. Let's not focus on the people who hate. I want to focus on the people who love. Let's not focus on the people who close the doors. Let's focus on the people who open up the doors. Yes. And then from, when we can take it from there. So uh, some people, oh, no, Eric, I just don't. Hey, whatever. If you want to focus on the mountain and how big it is, cool. I'm looking at that joke and going, how can I move this thing? Mm. <laughs> how mm -hmm. can I move this mountain? Because I see other humans move them and I believe I can move them too. And then how do I teach people to mm. move mountains? Oh, wow. Okay. So number one, that was for me, especially when you talked about feeling behind. There's a lot of times I feel behind. And then yeah. when you lay out, what do you mean behind? You've got this, this, and this, you've got that, that, and that. Yeah. What do you mean behind? Like that spoke to me. That was for me. And then it made me think you speak to such a wide range of people. I mean, you speak to and coach the elite of the world, the rich and famous of the world. And then you also speak to and coach, you know, a kid from let's say a, a tough upbringing that doesn't even know why he or she exists today. Right. So in that range is one group more important to speak to than the other. And if so, why? Okay. Yes to no. Believe it or not. There are a lot of people who may be athletes who still don't know their purpose in life. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I tell some of these kids like, bro, let's just be real. You just 16. You didn't have nothing to do with that, bro. <laughs> You're 16. You know I'm just saying like, you came out 16 and I don't care who you are. If you come out 16, no matter where you live, everybody's going to think you should play basketball. It is what it is. Whether you can play or not, whether you're athletic or not, you 16, people are automatically labeling you. So there are people who are tall, strong, fast, whatever, and they get opportunities because of some elite attribute. Mm. It doesn't necessarily mean that they had a stuff together. It doesn't necessarily mean they know who they are and what their purpose is in life. It doesn't mean that they have a set of values that they stand by. It doesn't mean that they had people in their lives who actually cared for them or loved on them. They could have been used because they were in sports, right? So for me, like everybody at the base is trying to get to self-actualization. Like every human is like water, food, drink, shelter, sense of belonging. I want my self-esteem and then boom, self-actualization. Like that's every human. I don't care how much money you have, whatever. We all want to belong. Like we all want to get to a place where we feel like we're living life on our own terms. Mm -hmm. But it's different when I spoke to Kyrie. Because I kind of felt like, yo, Kyrie got bread. You know, Kyrie is wealthy. Kyrie has a support system. He going to be okay. You understand what I'm saying? When I'm fortunate, you know, to talk to an OBJ, I'm not Victor Oladipo. I'm not necessarily like, their life is going to be, I just look at that as, okay, for whatever reason, our vibes or our frequency at that time connected. And whatever I feel like I can do to help you to continue and sustain your greatness, whatever that little bit I'm going to do that. I worked with the 49ers last season. They were like at the brink of, okay, if we lose one or two more games, we're out of the playoffs. I was able to get to them and speak to their why. They made it to the NFC Championship. One little mistake, they probably, if the interception would have been caught, they probably would have been going to the Super Bowl. So I felt good about, all right, these guys are already doing well, but you were able to help them to take advantage of an opportunity of a lifetime in that lifetime of the opportunity. But my kids from Detroit, Chicago, 14, 15, it's life or death. 
I find it amusing when people say, is that the guy that's screaming and hollering? I'm like, absolutely. 1,000%. Why? Because you're doing corporate work. Ah, you may not need to scream and yell, but I got a kid who's 14. He's he on his way to jail. Mm. He's on his way to a gang. He's on his way to potentially getting shot and killed, being at the wrong place at the wrong time, mm. or maybe the right place at the right, right time and shot and killed. Like, this is life or death. This is somebody, mama, potentially going to bury their children or he's going to get to college and not athletics. I'm going to help him get there with his mind because it's not enough opportunities for everybody to play sport. So when I'm going to a youth prison, I'm like, yo, these kids got three to five. And if they listen to me, they get out. If they don't, they're going to get in trouble here. They're going to be lifers. So when I'm talking to elementary, especially elementary, like this may sound crazy to some people, but statistics show that they build prisons based on a kid being able to read by the third grade. Like they can kind of tell if you're going to be in trouble with the law by the third grade. Research shows by the third grade. That's the foundation. So if you can't read, write, or comprehend by the third grade, the probability of you learning by the fourth or the fifth grade is slim, right? It's slim. Doesn't mean it can't happen. So there are certain predictors by the third grade. So that's why I'm going in talking to third graders with this kind of path. That's why I'm going into uh, the Boys and Girls Club and screaming and hollering. Why? Attention span is low. I'm competing with video games. I'm competing with sports. I'm competing with a lot of stuff. So I got to get in there and I got to arrest your attention. And I may only have statistics show with these kids now, you got 15 seconds. So when you cut my video on, I don't have, y'all see it, TikTok is 60 seconds. You got 60 seconds to convince them they need to stay on your page or go somewhere else. And so for me, I got 60 seconds, man, to change somebody's life. So yes, that group definitely and or, I got a lot of prisoners that have been coming out that I meet on the street. They're like, Eric, I listened to you in jail. You changed my way of thinking. I'm out. I'm never going back. So some people see it as motivation, but I really do serious life, Mm. you know, work. That's incredible. Mm. That's incredible. Oh man. So good. Kind of on the, those lines of talking about maybe, I know you talk a lot about average skill paired with phenomenal will. And I absolutely resonate to having average skills. I did not graduate high school. So I definitely focused on We are. I know we light light up and get excited. So I want to hear more about just your thoughts on combining average skill with phenomenal will and and what you think of. I know that you you believe in that for success. So tell me more about it. And you know what? Can I be honest? There was a time in my life where I just the skill like again, when, when, when you don't know, you don't know. And I used to think, yo, the skill just got an automatic you know, they got an automatic ride. But if you really pay attention to the environments that you're in, for instance, you know, I might watch sports. So there are times where you'll see, you know, a team that nobody thought should win. Good. The Pistons, when we played the Lakers, like nobody thought, both times, nobody thought we had what it takes. But you saw a group of scrappy guys, mm-hmm. you know, Isaiah Thomas, Bill Lambeer. Like these aren't people that, you know, Sally, uh, Dennis Rodman, like these aren't necessarily, now Isaiah was all of that in the bag of chips, but for the most part, these other guys, you never heard about them before. They weren't like considered to be hall of famers at that time, but I'm, I'm a kid watching them and I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. they won the championship. You know, you watch a uh, sports and you watch, you know, America beat the Amer- U S hockey team win 
you know, what what was it? Soviet Union, like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you watch, it's like, oh, wow, I can't believe, like, they were underdog. You see women's soccer, you see, it's like, yo, oh, okay. Okay, you see the little, you know, gymnastics. You're like, whoa, we had, wow, unbelievable. Like, we won, that's crazy. Like, we weren't supposed to. And so for me, as a kid, I started watching what you would call average people, mm-hmm. like, change the world. Like, I saw Martin Luther King. You know, I try to explain it to people. Dr. Martin King was a pastor. Yeah. Like, he wasn't like a lawyer. He was a pastor. Mother Teresa was a nun. Like, I went to Catholic school. I'm not trying to be funny, but even in Catholicism, like a nun is not at the high, in the pecking order. She's not at the high. How are you a nun? But you probably mm-hmm. more recognized and known than, than, mo- than any Pope. Like, I'm sure most people knew who Mother Teresa was. Everybody knew who, which Pope was which Pope, right? And so I started noticing, yo, there's a gap for people who are not highly skilled. So mm-hmm. Maybe a smaller window. Maybe. You know what I'm saying? Maybe the opportunities are not as grandiose as maybe they are for, but I started noticing like, whoa, if you got that dog, you, okay, if you, if you're willing to get up earlier, go to bed later, oh, okay, if you're willing to do it 50 times, it might only take them two or three times, but you gotta do it 50 times, oh, you can catch up to them, you can win, you can beat them. So I started noticing that life and success favors the person with will. I started mm-hmm. noticing that success has more to do with will than it does skill. I started noticing that success has more to do with passion, determination, heart, not surrendering, never giving up. And then, you know, I watched a lot of Chinese movies when I was coming up as a kid. You know, they, they was popular during that time. And, you know, you just see a fighter who was smaller, but who would win because mm-hmm. that person kept getting back up. Like, Ah, wiping the blood off. Ah, you know what I'm saying? No, ah, you know what I'm saying? Like, ah, and they kept yeah. it up. So for me, I realized, yo, Eric, there is a body of work that can be contributed to being highly skilled. But there's also a body of work historically that has nothing to do with skill, mm-hmm. but has everything to do with will. And you may want to align yourself with the will because I think what I was doing wrong is I was trying to play the skillsman game when I wasn't skilled and I realized like, yo, E, that ain't your thing, bro. Like, come on over on this side. And even when I started speaking, believe it or not, my wardrobe was indicative of being from the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Like, people would see me like, you don't got on a shirt in the time, like, yo, bro, I'm from the Midwest, bro. Like, we working in farms. We work at Ford, GM, and Chrysler. Like, we not, nothing against certain times. Like, that's just not where we come from. And I found when I was wearing Saul's armor, when I was wearing somebody else's armor and trying to be like somebody else, mm-hmm. it didn't work. But when I just act like Dave and was like, yo, just give me a slingshot and five rocks. <laughs> that, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's all I need. I don't need all that other stuff that y'all wearing. And when I started carrying my slingshot and my rocks around, I won way more victories. Mm-hmm. I, I defeated way more Goliaths than I did trying to be somebody else. And so I just realized there's nothing wrong with skill. There's nothing wrong with those people who are smart you know, and who get through life by being Jesus. But I just want y'all to know there's not just one path that's paved to success. There are Mm -hmm. multiple paths and we just got to pick ours. And and again, you know, people tease me or people shun me or people wouldn't hire me because of the way I dress. But guess what? I kept being who I was. And then there was a population that was like, yo, we don't want, we do not want Eric Thomas if he not coming like that. If you're not coming like the guy I see on the video, if you don't have that passion, that energy, please don't come. Mm-hmm. And so 
if you would just be who you are. You owe it to yourself to be your authentic self because you can't be great being somebody else. Mm -hmm. You might be able to be good, but you can't be great at being somebody else. Even Kobe Bryant, who mimicked Michael Jordan, only ended up with five, and Mike was with six. (laughs) You feel me? So Kobe did a phenomenal job, but he still didn't necessarily become Michael Jordan in the process of mimicking Michael Jordan. So I just say you owe it to yourself to be yourself. E.T., I think that's one of my favorite things that that you always preach on is empowering the average everyday person that it might take you a few more tries than somebody else who's more talented, right? It Mm -hmm. may take a few more at-bats, but you too can go build this extraordinary life full of extraordinary impact. And it's literally what the blueprint, I'm going to use your word, the blueprint that you reverse engineered in the book, you owe you, that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. So of the blueprint that you created when you wrote that book. Is there a chapter, is there a lesson that stands out as the most important one that people need? Even if they just turn right to it, that's the one they got to hit? Ah, give me two. <laughs> give me two. So the right. first one is you got to own it. Mm. You know, you got to own it. And I just feel like so many people aren't successful because they don't want to own it. Man, I have people that work for me. I'm like, man, it's not going to work out. And it's like, why not? Because you want me to pay your bills. Because yeah. you want me to put your kids through college. Because you want me to put your kids through private school. It's like there are things that you're asking me to do for your family that rightfully only you should be doing it. So it doesn't mean you shouldn't work for me, but like you leaving all the responsibility to me. You putting your whole life in my hand. Like if Eric goes to speak, and if Eric, what if something happens to me? What if I decide to be a terrible guy tomorrow? Like what's going to happen to you and your family? Like I truly believe that there are certain things that only I should do for my kids or for my wife. I just believe like, yo, this is this my wife. Like tell your dad I'm good. Tell your mom I'm good. I got this. You feel me? I respect them, but mm-hmm. I can take it from here, right? My kids. There's just certain things that I should just do for my kids. And I just find that there are a lot of people in life, everybody wants something, but not everybody wants to own what they want. Mm, wow. And I'm like, yo, I'm going to own it. So, you know, some people say to me all the time, like, yo, E, it ain't fair. Like, you may not make as much money as, you know, a, a white motivational speaker. I was like, bro, I'm not buying into that. Maybe I got to get a four-year degree. Maybe I got to get a master's degree. Maybe I got to get the PhD. I don't look at it like it's not fair. I'm just like, yo, I'm, you tell me how much can be made. I'll do whatever it takes. Yeah. Do I have to be the best? Do I have to have a degree? Do I, have, I don't necessarily see that as quitting and giving up. I just see that as you might tell me my path is a little narrow, but it's still a path that I can walk to and walk through. And guess what? My wife owes me to walk through it and not go. Like, yo, life ain't fair, sweetie. So we're going to have to just live here because life ain't fair. Oh, we're going to have to eat here because life ain't fair. Or we're going to have to fly in the back because life ain't fair. Bump that. Just show me the path and I will own it. Just show me what I got to do. Just show me it's possible. Mm -hmm. Just show me that there's a way to go about Nonprofit, escort, LLC, (laughs) foundation. Just show me. Just show me what it takes. To, okay, I got to do corporate. Okay, what do I have to do? Just show me, right? And so that's the first chapter, own it. The second one is triple threat. Like you got to become a triple threat. Like mm. it's not enough sometimes to be one dimensional. It's just not. Sometimes one dimensional is not going to take you where you need to go. And I'm going to say this name. And this is one of the people that really inspired me with the average skill phenomenal will. It's Cal Ripkins. Anybody know anything about baseball? My man is considered to be one of the best of the best. 
They called him the Iron Man. And I promise you, my man wasn't batting a 300 average. I promise you he wasn't. I promise you, it was good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Two, six, something. It was all right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't nothing to write home about. But he never missed a game. 2,600 mm. some game. He never missed a game. I know him and his wife had to have an argument in one of those games. I know somebody had to get sick in one of those games. Yeah. I know he wasn't 100% in one of those games. I know there was a funeral or something that happened in one of those games. It, he owned it. He owned his position. He owned his a spot on the team. He owned his salary. He owned it. He could catch that ball. He could play offense well enough to help his team. He could play defense supremely. He showed up. He was always there. Culture. He pushed the culture. He was the brand. You couldn't talk bad about my man. Oh, I promise you. He triple threat, y'all. And some of you are thinking, because you're skilled in one area that the world just supposed to lay down and supposed to owe you something. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm going to be multidimensional. I'm going to be multi... And I got blind spots, so we're going to get the big mirrors with the sensors on them, Joe. So, so that my blind spots don't kill me because over a million people die, you know, in the span of a couple of years because of those blind spots. So I have blind spots. So I got to figure out what to do for the... You can read that in the book as well. You can take an assessment in the book. We'll help you with that. But I'm a triple threat, y'all. Yes, mm. I can speak, but I have the degree, but I'm down to earth, marital bliss, but I know what marital struggle was like. A great credit score, 800, but I once had a 500. I once couldn't read and write. Now I'm writing books. The triple threat, y'all. I'm not one dimensional. I can talk to the governor, but I can go in the hood and sit down and talk to the kid on the block that don't know how to read and write and help my man get his GED and send him off the cot. Like, triple threat. And I'm saying to you guys, this is the same Eric Thomas. Nothing has changed except I got wider. That's always been a change. I didn't get any taller. I don't have a new voice. My brain actually worked better in my 20s than it does at 51. But, but guess what? The GED Eric did not attract the people that this Eric is attracting. Mm. The GED Eric was a great guy, but he didn't have these opportunities. The four-year degree Eric a little bit better. The master's a little bit better. The PhD, listen to me, the this, the attributes, the value, like all the certificates, all the stuff, the meeting people, talking to people, learning from people. The 2.0 Eric was a good kid, but the 5.0 and the 10.250, it, it's just so much more. Triple threat, y'all. The more you are, the more you attract, the more you could be, the more you can have, the more you can do. Man, I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, y'all getting me pumped up. I love that. No, no, well, other way around. This is, so, I, this is why we do podcasts. I'm like, wait, this is so selfish because we get like all of this incredible <laughs> info for the day. Oh my God. Okay, so I want to know about faith because I think about faith all the time as in we talk about faith, we say we have faith or, or most people do, but it's not until we are really tested that we ever even get to use it or kind of like form our ideas around how we view things, kind of what we were talking about earlier about advantages and disadvantages. But are there moments like, has there been a moment even recently, maybe where you have been so low, where you've questioned your faith, but then you remember a certain tool or remember what to do to kind of like turn yourself toward faith again? Yeah. So here's what I would suggest. I would suggest that we don't wait to use our faith when something mm. goes wrong, I would suggest that we stay close to our faith mm. as much as we can every day. I think one of the things that I did well 
in that 30 year span was I got up every day. Well, I started at six and then I eventually got to three o'clock in the morning. And the trick to three o'clock in the morning was when I used to get up at six and walk the neighborhood, you know, everybody's going to work five o'clock, you know, there's those runners, four o'clock, the dogs are up. <laughs> three o'clock was that time where it was nothing but the stars, you know, the moon, me and God, wow. mm. you know? So I remember, you know, six o'clock, then three o'clock for years. And I remember when Didi got diagnosed with MS and a lot of my very close family members and friends were like, wow, you didn't budge. What happened? And I said, it's not that I didn't budge, but every morning I would get up at three o'clock and I would just pour out my heart to God about, you know, stuff that I thought was fair, not fair, stuff that I thought, you know, was a, a challenge, things that I thought was going to break me. And in that three o'clock time frame, it was like I was just casting it, like giving it away, like, go take this. I can't bear this. Mm-hmm. So take this. And I told him what happened when Didi got sick was I got up the next morning and I just took that to him too. And so it might have been harder to do if I hadn't been doing it for 20 years up to that point. Like if it was like the first day, I was like, okay, I know we hadn't talked in a minute, but uh, hey, I got some on my heart I need to talk to you about. But I had been doing it for about 20 years at the time. So it was just like, yo, this is what I always do. I give it up. I let go. Mm. So, so, And I want to give you guys a practical example. It's easier if you do it every day. Because if you do it every day, then what happens is your challenges have to submit to your faith and not the other way around. Mm, wow. So because most of you wait, your challenges are actually stronger than your faith because you don't use it. Mm. Not that you don't have it, you just don't use it. And nothing that, like anything you don't use, of course, you know, gang green might sit in and, you know. So I give you guys a very simple example. I'm not saying I agree with it, it's right, it's wrong. I just know it's real. Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. It does not matter if you are a college Chick-fil-A, they closed. If you're in the airport, they're closed. It don't matter if you're in New York and the city never sleeps. Chick-fil-A sleeps on Sunday. It's, it's closed. It, it's not open. I don't care if you wake up in the morning on Sunday and you got the credit. It's closed. Like, mm-hmm. it's they practice. You don't have to go to church, but you're not coming here. Just what they practice. They practice Southern hospitality which is why they don't have them in certain cities yeah, mm-hmm. because there's no Southern hospitality. So that's a, that's their faith. Their anchor is we don't call you zero five, nine, seven. We ask you, what's your name? Eric, Eric, your sandwich is ready. I always answer to Eric. I don't always answer the one, five, three, six, zero, right? <laughs> that's the part of their faith. Mm-hmm. So what McDonald's does the numbers and Burger King does the number and Taco Bell does the number. Chick-fil-A does not care. They call you by their name. That's a part of their faith. They play a certain type of music in their restaurant. They're not playing what's traditional or what everybody else is playing. They're not playing the top 40 songs. They're playing what they play. And because they believe in something, Mm. it's the weirdest thing. They actually are doing business on a very high level without doing it like other companies are doing it. Why? Because they are doing it based on their faith. And so when you have a faith and you stand on it, everybody will learn how to operate based on that faith. Now, there are a lot of people that don't believe in a lot of the belief systems of Chick-fil-A. They still eating there. Yep. Like, there's a lot of people like, I don't agree with Chick-fil-A. Okay, but you in line on Monday, get you a sandwich, 
with the Polynesian sauce, okay? <laughs> and it's just a chicken sandwich. It's not even like, it's the whole bunch, they don't even got a whole bunch of stuff. It's a chicken sandwich. <laughs> but they do not go against their faith. And I learned that if I wake up every day and I spend time with my faith, when something negative happens, it's not going to have the same impact on me mm. because my faith is stronger than the challenge. Why? Because the challenge is new. Even though my wife got MS, it's still new. It wasn't something that we talked about six months ago. My faith is something I've been doing for 20 years. Mm. So I take my struggle and put it in my faith. I don't put my faith in the struggle. Mm. Man, I love it. So do not so wait good. to exercise that faith. Yeah. I'm going to add to that. Do not wait to go out and order this book, mm-hmm. You Owe You. So where can people get it? I guess wherever uh, books are sold. Amazon, uh, sure Barnes got, and Noble, I, all the places. Yeah, I just we'll link it up. I, yeah. I pre-ordered the uh, audio. It, it was easy to find. I, I prefer books on audio. We got a bit okay. of a surprise too. You don't know we're going to do this, but the first 50 listeners that tag uh-huh. you, Lori and I, with their breakthrough or their takeaway, Lori and I are going to personally buy and send them a book. So the first 50 listeners on Instagram that tag you and Lori and I with their takeaway, we'll buy them a book, send it right to their home. It's one of our favorite things Prince, to do when Lori, people launch new books. you never said anything to me about this, guys. This is not a marketing scheme. It's not a, nope. I, nope. I hadn't no. heard this before. Not thank at all. Thank you guys so much. And I say thank you because you don't have to do it. You don't. You don't owe me, so thank no, you. No, it is absolutely our pleasure, dude, to help get this, this word out there. It's a word that everybody needs to hear. My favorite part of the word is that the everyday person with average mm. skills can succeed. I think that describes Lori, that describes me, it describes the people that mm. we love the most. And without people spreading that message and empowering, literally putting the mm. proof in the book, people are going to follow the wrong individuals mm-hmm. and they're going to follow the wrong advice. Mm. We are so grateful for you. And honestly, this podcast, like, over delivered. I'm, I literally am writing things down, but I'm like, I'm just going to go back and listen to this mm-hmm. a few times. I'm sure because I feel super pumped up. It's like one of those videos. I don't know if you remember that like viral, it was actually a Will Smith video years and years ago. I used to listen to it all the time about he had like Tread, just pumped yeah. you up in the morning about the treadmill. Yeah. Yes. This is like yeah. the treadmill. I'm yeah. going to listen to this over and over again. <laughs> I love it. All right. Thank you owe you rush out and get it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity guys. Listen, absolutely our pleasure, our privilege. Rush out, order you, OU, first 50 listeners that tag us with your takeaway, all three of us. We will send you a book from Lori and I, our pleasure to do so. ET, thank you to keep being you. We love and appreciate everything that you're doing. All right, and we've got to link up at some point on the West Coast. Yep. Right? we got to do lunch together or go for a walk or whatever Let's you want to do. We'd love trail, that. Let's do it. No. Let's right, do it. All right, thank you guys so much. Be blessed. I appreciate right, you, man. Have a great God bless. Fun. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success. 